ended up just focusing on uh, verse 5, so the name of the sermon will be The Good Pleasure of His Will. But if you would stand with me now, I would like to go ahead and read verses 3 through 6. Again, just to set verse 5 in its context. So we're going to focus on verse 5 today. But hear now the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Let's pray. Father, we once again come before your word, and we are thankful that you have preserved this word for us, that you have granted this word to us, and that we are allowed to, in relative peace, read from your word and hear your word and preach through your word. Lord, we pray today that your spirit will be active among us and that you will bless the preaching of your word and that you will give us all ears to hear and that you will soften our hearts to receive the truth of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so you might, you might want to write this down, okay? So here is point number one from the opening. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. Something can't just come into being from nothing. Point number two. The universe began to exist. Point number two, the universe began to exist. There are good, solid, sound, philosophical, and scientific evidences and proofs that the universe we live in actually exists. There are some who question it, but I'm pretty sure they're wrong. Point number three, therefore, the universe has a cause. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. And the cause of the universe must be an uncaused, beginningless, timeless, spaceless 
immaterial, unimaginably powerful, personal creator of the universe. How many have heard this argument before? Four. This is called the cosmological argument for the existence of a creator. It's true, right? The logic holds up, and it is true. But it is not sufficient. It is not the whole story. Because as we've discussed previously, and as we're going to discuss today, there are things that happened before the universe began to exist. So we are going to explore some of those deep mysteries of the gospel. As we think about this personal creator, as the argument goes, we know that this personal creator is Jehovah. He is the God of the Bible. He is the God that we worship. And for those of you who know your shorter catechism, you would know the answer to question four, what is God? You don't have to say it now. There is a longer version in larger catechism question seven, what is God? But I like the way that it is stated in Westminster Confession chapter two, paragraph one where it describes God as the one who exists before the universe. There is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being, infinite in perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will, for his own glory, most loving, most gracious, most merciful, most long-suffering, most abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. Now that's a mouthful, but 
in our trying to understand the God that we serve, it is a good beginning point in trying to get our heads, our little finite minds around the, um, what does it say here, the incomprehensible God and creator of the universe. You know, even before he created the heavens and the earth, before he divided the water from the land, the dark from the light, even before he hung the stars in the sky, he was considering your needs. He was being faithful to his covenant, and he was moving heaven and earth to make his decrees come to pass. See, we're, we're dealing with something that is incomprehensible for our minds. It is something that is beyond us. It is the cause of the universe. It is the one who caused the universe to come into existence. But the verse we are going to look at today takes place before that event. It takes place before that event. So verse 5 is, is pretty plain in its reading, right? Having predestinated us, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. None of these words are tricky. They all mean what we think they mean. Having predestinated means to determine something ahead of time. Now, when they wrote this definition, do you think they really meant like before time began? Probably not, but it fits really well here to determine something ahead of time. And the structure of the sentence here does not indicate any kind of chronological sequence. The action is concluded. There's no reference of past or present. This matter, this concluded action is spoken of before time. Now in Romans 8, we read, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Do you see how this is working? 
Do you see who is acting here? Who is it who is performing these actions? The predestinate, the cause of this is the pleasure of his good will. Our being called is caused by his word and his spirit. Our being justified is caused, it's accomplished by his son, Jesus, and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. And we are glorified, this is caused by the pleasure of his good will. Do you see who and where this is taking place? This is determined before God, before time began, that God in his triune nature and in his triune person was determining and doing the work. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. We talked about this in verse 4. You see, we are really dabbling here. We are poking at, we are trying to get our eyes to focus on what Paul called wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 2, he says this, We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That would be you. Yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So this cause, the one who caused the universe to come into being, he is the cause of our calling and of our justification and of our glorification. Do you see that? Now, the classic error here is for us to think that we are somehow causing God to make these kind of decisions. That we are the source of him making the decree. But Paul is very clear in this. Let me read from um, 2 Timothy. Oh, let's see. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Here it comes who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, 
which was given to us in Christ Jesus when before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, not according to our works, not according to any decision that you or I would make, not according to the good works and merit produced by your life or my life. There is a place for good works, but they flow from the grace that has been imparted into your life. They are the evidence of your sonship. I mean, Paul even discusses this later in this letter to the Ephesians when he tells them how they should walk, what their life should look like. But never forget, never forget, you did not cause or earn or merit your predestination or your calling or your justification, or your glorification. These are all of grace and according to the counsel of God's will and good purpose. Thank you, hallelujah, amen. This is, this is mind-blowing. As I discussed a couple weeks ago, it is hard for me to put myself over in that place before time began. We try to find it on the timeline, remember that? So here's the beginning of time, here's the end of time. Is before time over here, up here? Where is it, down here? I got a couple more dimensions I could use this way, right? But here's what we do know. Here's what we do know. God has spoken to us. He has given us his word. And he has revealed this great mystery to us. And he tells us that this is wisdom. You don't get there by just determining that there was a cause of the universe. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is understanding that that cause is God and that he speaks to you, his people, and that he has made covenant with you according to the good pleasure of his will. You would be his people. You would be his children. You would be his adopted sons and daughters. In Christ Jesus, before time began, God determined and decreed 
and he spoke, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate. The Lord says, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father to you. And you, you shall be my sons and my daughters. Ahead of time, he had already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would bring us to himself as his sons. Let me put it this way. God loves us to life before the means of bringing us to life were decreed. God placed his love on us before life itself began. You see, the cause of man is the good pleasure of his will in and through Jesus Christ. The cause of us being predetermined to adoption is by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The good pleasure of his will is the ultimate cause for Jesus creating the heavens and the earth. The good pleasure of his will is the cause of man being created in God's image. The good pleasure of his will is the cause of the faithful in Christ Jesus being adopted as the sons of God. So what is the cause of our salvation? What is the cause of Saul of Tarsus becoming an apostle? What is the cause of there being saints in Ephesus? Or the cause of there being faithful saints here? What is the cause of those faithful saints being in Christ Jesus? What is the cause of every spiritual blessing in heavenly places? Those who are chosen. Who caused that? Those who are holy and blameless. Who caused that? Those who have been adopted as sons of God. Who caused that? The triune God. The faithful keeper of the covenant did not seek a cause outside of himself, but according to his eternal timeless decree. He did not need to foresee or evaluate what you would do, what merit you might generate. Do we try to imagine what kind of outward causes 
might have influenced the mind of God? Oh, this is what a lack of wisdom looks like. This is what a lack of understanding looks like. This is what a disregard for God's word looks like. This would be arrogance and pride. The Lord's good pleasure sets aside any merit outside of Jesus Christ. The cause of the faithful in Christ Jesus, the cause of the creation itself, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the beloved, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Colossians chapter 1 tells us, in him all things consist. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. You being predetermined, you being adopted as sons, you being holy and blameless, you being chosen, you being blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, you possessing grace and peace, you, you who are in Christ, the beloved, the chosen of God, the Father, in him all things consist. We want to look at adoption here for just a second. I've mentioned it a lot. I've actually kind of been jumping around here, but I want to talk about um, adoption. As a congregation, we're pretty familiar with adoption. There's a number of families here who have adopted. There's other families who are trying to adopt. But this this adoption that shows up here in Ephesians, this is a... um, um, this is a Roman, a legal term out of the Roman system, all right? It, it creates a parent-child relationship between persons not related by blood. With the adopted child being entitled to all privileges belonging to a natural child. This is a a legal act, this is a legal declaration that changes you from not being related by blood to being legally related by blood. You are really and truly family when you are adopted in to a family. Got it? It even includes the right to inherit 
So if your parents die, you are legal heirs to what they leave behind. As adopted children of God, we have obtained an inheritance. This is what it says in Ephesians 1.11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Everything that is Jesus by inheritance as the faithful beloved son is ours. Because in God's eyes, we are seen in Christ. In the judge's eyes, your legally adopted children are seen as your family. They see the child in the parents. Now, this hasn't always gone so well for us, right? Because Adam was declared a son of God. Do you remember this? In, in one of the genealogies in Luke... It says, um, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Adam was an adopted son of God. He was our covenant or federal head. And yet, we all know this, right? He failed because he was ultimately not the beloved son. Amen? Because we are in Jesus, because we have been adopted as sons of God, we are told that having been led by the Spirit, that we are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but we have received, I love this, the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. See, this adoption was tremendously beneficial for us. Because we were sons of Adam. And we were captive. We were in chains. We were enslaved in the kingdom of darkness. Where death and sin reigns. But because of God's good pleasure and his will, he created a way for us to be adopted into his family. No more sons of Adam, but reborn, recreated as sons of God in the image of Jesus. Like Jesus, the son who could cry out to his father, you and I can cry out to our Father. In Galatians 4, it says this, Even so we, when we were children, 
We're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Where again, we get to cry, Abba, Father. We are no more servants, but we are a son. And if we are a son, then we be heirs of God through Christ. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 John Chapter 3, the Apostle of Love writing, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, if we think about Jesus being the Son of God and being fully man and fully God, that's a little hard to comprehend, but Jesus was sinless and perfect, so it makes, sense, it makes sense to us that God would see him and that he would declare from heaven, Behold, this is my beloved Son in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. But see, you and I, we're not like that. You and I are still struggling with sin. You and I are still struggling with the brokenness that we inherited from Adam. We are still groaning, waiting for the day when we will be completely adopted. We're adopted now, but there will be a completion later when we are glorified. But the manner of love that the God has bestowed upon us is that he says, this is my beloved son. And he's talking about you. And he's talking about me. And he says that he is well pleased with us. And that he will put his spirit in us. What manner of love is this? What good pleasure (laughs) of his will. He delights in his sons. He shows them his kindness and his favor. All because 
it pleased him. It pleased him to choose you in Christ before anything or everything was created. The Father is pleased with his beloved Son. The Lord is pleased with you as you are in Christ. Your salvation, your redemption, your sonship pleases the Lord. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Brothers and sisters, let us think on this deep mystery of God. What manner of love is this. Let the truth of these words sink down into your soul, into your hearts, and into your minds. For we can answer the question, what is the cause of our being adopted as children? It's Jesus. It's the love that he has for us. And what flows from us being loved as the sons of God? Our passage tells us from verse 4, right? Or verse earlier, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, all mercy and all grace, all peace and all comfort, all resources and provisions, all protection and care, and anything else you can think of are given to you as sons of God in whom he is well pleased. The cause of all creation, all the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, came into being in subjection to God's decree that you and I would be chosen for adoption in Christ Jesus according to the good pleasure of his will. That's heady stuff. Consider every incomprehensibly massive galaxy, every unmeasurable subatomic particle, all of it, all of creation is flying in formation according to the good pleasure of his will. All of it exists to bring the sons of God to glorification. But this is all a little lofty and hard to grasp. How does spinning galaxies work in my life, right? subatomic particles with names too hard to pronounce that we're not even sure exist. Let's pull it down to something that we can actually reach out and touch. Every moment that grace impacts your life, every kind word, a soft touch, 
receiving an act of service, these two are also flying in formation according to God's decrees. When God pulls back the curtain just a little and allows you to see him clearly working in your life, or being able to see him working in the life of someone you love, or falling deeper and deeper in love with your spouse, or the miracle of a new baby in the family. These are all flying in formation. But in addition to those little bits of grace, God has also decreed the harsh word, the wounding touch, the being despitefully used or despitefully using someone else. These are also marching obediently to the Lord's will. Those times when you can see the blackness of sin and smell the stench of death. Those times when you are hurting, when you are being smothered and suffocated by deep depression and despair, when you or someone you love is having serious life-altering health problems, or maybe you and your spouse are reaping the wages of your sin. And you are calling out to the Lord to raise your relationship from the dead. Those times when you are crying out to God and all you hear is silence. All of those moments are part of that decree. God in his providence is making all that work towards the sons of God being glorified. Have faith. Remember. Believe. The whole glory-filled sin-stained, spinning, careening reality that you and I live in, all of it, all of it is decreed and governed by a God who is most wise and most holy and most just and most merciful and most gracious and long-suffering and is abundant in goodness and truth. He weaves the whole tapestry of your life and mine to bring us as the sons of God to the end of our inheritance, to our being glorified just like Jesus. So brothers and sisters, we serve an immense, eternal, incomprehensible, infinite in being, infinite in perfection, an all-powerful, 
Almighty God. But it's more than that. We have been adopted by our Heavenly Father, by our Abba, whose character defines and is defined by love. You and I are the beloved children of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is mercifully and graciously working all things, all things, all things together for your good and for his glory. And all God's children said, Amen.